0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com, where over the last 24 hours, we've had a lot of news, some of it dramatic, on the Russia investigation and the investigation of the investigators. We're going to bring you up to speed on all of those headlines and moving parts. We expect another day of very busy revelations, so let's stay tuned on that. And then we're going to get you to somebody who can make sense of all of this. We're bringing in today, as our guest, Kevin Brock, the former... Uh, assistant director for intelligence for the FBI. In fact, he was the Bureau's very first intelligence chief officer. Uh, he has some very powerful things to say about what has gone on in the Comey-McCabe beers at the FBI, what uh, Christopher Ray has and hasn't done yet to clean up these issues and to restore Americans' confidence. And he really gets to the bottom of why what went on in these new revelations with the Flynn documents, the Mike Flynn documents, are more KGB-ish than they are FBI-ish. That's a very powerful statement. He just wrote a column in The Hill where he talks about what went on here is uh, beyond uh, what the FBI is supposed to do. It's beyond what Americans expect and the pride they have in an independent, free populace, uh, one that doesn't have to endure abuse from government. He's going to talk all about that. I think the most interesting thing you're going to hear from him today, because it's in his columns and it's been in our private conversations he is going to walk you through how the FBI never had a case against Flynn. They didn't even have a right to open up the original file. And then when the case agent came to that conclusion and tried to close it down and the FBI leadership, Comey, McCabe, and their their man, Pete Strzok, uh, ordered them not to close it down and to hold on uh, so that they could maybe set up an interview where Flynn could be caught lying. Uh, why that pivot was also without legal authorization. Kevin Brock used to make these decisions for the FBI. What he has to say is chilling. It's important. It helps bring clarity to all of these confusing, fast-moving events Now that Attorney General Barr and Director of National Intelligence Rick Connell have begun releasing the long-awaited classified documents in the Russia case. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to give you the five most important things that have happened over the last 48 hours. And then we're going to get right to Kevin Brock, the former assistant director of the FBI's intelligence division, a man who was inside the frying pan that we all know to be the FBI. We'll be back after these messages. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break, and thank you for supporting our advertisers and sponsors. We hear from them. We know that you're supporting them. Keep in mind, they make it possible for me to do this podcast and also for us to do the t- sort of reporting we've been doing at Justin News. So please keep sponsoring them. Please keep showing them your love. It makes a big difference for us here as we try to build a news organization under the Justin News brand that you can trust and uh, take a look at those documents. Don't forget about that dig in section. We put all our documents there. You have an opportunity to not only read what we say happened, you can actually look at the core source documents in our notebook and make your own determination. We, we we make that pledge of transparency to you every day, and we're proud of what we're doing. All right, we've got this big interview coming with Kevin Brock, so I don't want to delay you too long, but I do want to give you an update on five significant developments in the Russia investigation The investigation of the investigators, now being led by John Durham and by a prosecutor named Jensen, who's looking at the Flynn matter, Uh, and then, of course, uh, being aided by the revelations that Attorney General Barr and Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell have released over the last few uh, days, significant, significant uh, revelations, and uh, we're all getting to see a lot better what's going on. Let me start with the one that happened last night, because it's one of the most important that we've seen. Uh, finally, the scoping memo that former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, you remember him, he's the guy the FBI alleges was trying to come up with a scheme to wear a wire on the president, maybe get him removed under the 25th Amendment. Uh, Rosenstein denies it, but the FBI you know, insists that that's what happened. Well, he, remember, he is the guy, after Jeff Session recused himself as Attorney General in the Russia case, who ran the Russia investigation for the first couple of years and allowed a lot of the things that we now know, happened uh, to continue to go on. The fourth FISA, which was withdrawn recently uh, by the Justice Department as being so flawed it wasn't worthy of being in the court, Uh, that was signed by Rod Rosenstein. And uh, the other big decision he made is he signed off on the idea that we needed a special counsel, a special prosecutor, Robert Mueller. Even though at the moment he made that decision in May of 2017, the FBI had, by its own words, zero, nothing, no evidence of collusion. There was no big there there, Pete Stroke wrote at the time that Mueller was reported to have been hired uh, and Struck maybe was considering going to work for him, which he did for a short while until his uh, text messages came out. So last night, the Justice Department finally released the unredacted version of what we call the scoping memo, which is the authority, the um, crimes that Robert Mueller was supposed to investigate. It's dated in August of 2017. And what we know about it is we now know for the first time what Devin Nunez has long suspected and, and said publicly and was often ridiculed. It turns out, once again, Devin Nunez was right. The scoping memo clearly draws from the Steele dossier in, in in predicating or scoping an investigation against Carter Page, we know from the Inspector General's report that um, even by the end of 2017, there was no evidence about Carter Page and wrongdoing or or evidence connecting to him as a Russian stooge, other than what was in the Christopher Steele dossier. And what makes this revelation so important that the special, special prosecutor was appointed in part. On evidence that the FBI knew to be false and inaccurate by the time it happened. So uh, the Steele memo surfaces in, uh, to the FBI in July of 2016. By January, February of 17, major parts of it have been debunked. Other parts have been determined that they can't be corroborated. Steele's own subsource is interviewed by the FBI and disowns some of the information that's attributed to him uh, and also reveals, as does the U.S. intelligence community, that some of the information fed to Steele might have been from Russian intelligence as a dirty trick, a disinformation campaign. Given that there was almost zero credibility to the Steele dossier by May of 2017 and certainly by August of 2017. By that time, there were multiple warnings from the U.S. intelligence community. The FBI has been told that Carter Page isn't a target or shouldn't be a target. He's an asset for the CIA. Despite all of those revelations that the Steele dossier was extraordinarily flawed, that its evidence was either debunked or uncorroborated, otherwise internet rumor, the Rod Rosenstein gave a scoping authority to Mueller to continue to look at the uh, Carter Page allegations. I think in in history's retrospect, that is going to look like a bad and unwise and unlawful uh, decision. And what it may also do is open up on appeal for people who've been convicted the possibility that special counsel Mueller's authority was not grounded in law, was not grounded in basis. There wasn't a lawful predicate, at least to look at parts of the uh, investigation. Certainly the question of Mike Flynn lying, which was another part of the memo, certainly there would be a predicate for that, although it's uh, gravely in doubt, given what we've learned in the last few days. But I just want to point that out. And if you want to read more about it, go to JustinNews.com, see my story on that. A lot of detail, but it's a big... Big headline that the Robert Mueller's authority was derived in part from the Steele dossier, which at the time he was given that authority, the Steele dossier had already been severely uh, discredited. Uh, Very important story. Another one, which is one that we talked about on this show last week, I finally have written. I think it's going to be a very powerful story for you all to reach. It's trending as the number one story on our site, uh, both yesterday and today. The headline is... Adam Schiff may be Russia declassification's biggest loser. What it is is a compilation of 10 very distinct statements that Adam Schiff made in congressional hearings on television and newspaper articles and in official government reports that now have been uh, contradicted by the declassified evidence released over the last few weeks. I encourage you to take a look at it. His statements in support of the Steele dossier, his statements in support of the FISA process, are completely eviscerated by the revelations in these uh, new documents, and uh, I think Adam Schiff owes the American public an explanation why he said the things he did, why he didn't check deeper before making the allegations against him, and 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 address the question that Republicans have, which is, did he allow the normal, normally bipartisan, apartisan House Intelligence Committee process to become politicized in a way that? distorted the record for the American public. I encourage you to read that. Very important um, uh, uh, matter. Late last night, Sidney Flynn, the lawyer for Mike Flynn, filed a new court filing. This is development number three you should know about. In the filing, she says that Flynn's old law firm, Covington & Burling, uh, is still not searching the right way. They still are raising objections to providing all the potential documents they may possess. And here's my favorite line in the filing. She raises the possibility that Burlington and Coving is trying to claim attorney-client privilege and may not want to turn over certain internal documents they had about their own ethics and their own dealings with Flynn. I think this is going to turn out to be a big battle between Powell and this old law firm, the former law firm. Uh, That may resolve some issues about what ultimately becomes Brady evidence and what is a defense, a defendant, allowed to get from its lawyer that he he paid for. Keep an eye on this development. There have been new revelations. Sidney Powell has gotten several more productions from the law firm belatedly, things that were supposed to be turned over more than a year ago now suddenly being turned over, both by the law firm and by the FBI there could be some new developments on that front over the next 48 hours. Let's keep an eye on that. Uh, the fourth thing I want to mention to you is Jim Jordan, Congressman Jordan, the ranking Republican House Judiciary Committee. It's the fourth development worth watching. Uh, he sent a note uh, this week to Michael Horowitz, Inspector General, saying, listen, you gave us two amazing reports. One was the Russia FISA and all the problems that there was. And then there was a follow-up, what we I would call an emergency alert memo where just a, a few weeks ago Horowitz said that they had reviewed 29 FISAs outside of the Russia case and they saw su- all 29 suffered from the same problems that were seen in the Russia case. Inaccuracies, uh, undocumented, unverified evidence being submitted as verified, uh, false statements in these um, things, the Woods procedures process not being followed despite representations it had. Jordan wants to know from Horowitz urgently, is there any evidence that Chris Ray's FBI is fixing this? What have they done? Are are the are the solutions in place proposed by Ray? Good enough, Ray has said he's instituted more than 40 reforms. But what Jordan wants to know is, I want to see the proof. Are they really doing these things? Are they really fixing it? Or are more drastic cures, more drastic actions needed to solve uh, what went on here? That's the fourth important development. And the fifth one is uh, one that could impact us as early as tomorrow. Uh, the What we are hearing is that if Adam Schiff doesn't release those 53 transcripts, you know those transcripts, the ones we told you about two weeks ago, we first broke this story on Just the News and on this podcast, John Solomon reports, if he doesn't release the House Intelligence Committee transcripts of the 53 witnesses in the Russia investigation, well... Rick Grinnell, the DNI, says he's going to do it on his own, which means we'll finally get transparency on on transcripts that were voted out for the American public to see 19 months ago and withheld all this time and have uh, most recently been in the, been in the hands of uh, Adam Schiff, who's not released them and who made an a, a overt effort in the letter that I exposed on Just the News and in this podcast to keep helpful evidence from President Trump in these transcripts. If you all remember that story a couple of weeks ago, if not, go back on justthenews.com and read it. Very important. But we may finally, this is the headline, fifth and most important headline of the day, uh, at least if you're leaning into the next couple of days, uh, we may finally get to read and see and learn from the 53 House Intelligence Committee transcripts that uh, were uh, made by the House Intelligence Committee when Devin Nunes was chairman all right, I know I just said I was only going to do five of these, but there's some breaking news, and we're going to add a sixth big revelation at this very moment, hot off the presses, straight from the Justice Department, right out of the federal court. The United States Justice Department has asked a federal judge to dismiss the conviction in criminal charges against Mike Flynn, essentially ending the case against him. This comes as the lead prosecutor in the case, Brandon Van Grack, has resigned abruptly Uh, The government, I'm just looking at this as it's coming in here, the government says that it can no longer prove that the FBI's interview of Mike Flynn was legally warranted and that he intended to lie during the interview. And they're asking the judge to dismiss the case. This is a momentous event. It's a big slap against Robert Mueller and his team this was one of their big convictions. It's another check mark against the FBI. I'm looking through this ruling as we're as it's coming in. And it looks like Andy McCabe, the deputy FBI director, is mentioned as someone who continued to push for an interview when there was one no reason for it to be warranted. Uh, this is breaking news. We're going to have it all day and all night tonight on just the news, but I thought I would give it to you when we come back from the commercial break. Kevin Brock, and we interviewed him just before this happened, so he won't know about the breaking news, but uh, you're not going to want to miss what he has to say, anyways. We'll be right back at the commercial break. Folks, Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. And use the promo code JustNews50 to get 50% off. That's uh, the code JustNews50 at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash JustNews50. Use the JustNews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we have a very special guest today, Kevin Brock, the former assistant director for intelligence inside the FBI and one of the FBI's true great experts. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Well, thanks,
1: John. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invite.
0: Oh, we're, we're really glad to have you on. And um, I've been lucky to quote you in many of my stories over the years and, and to see your great work at The Hill when I was there. So very, very fortunate. The, um, speaking of The Hill... Uh, we have uh, you had a great column out yesterday that I think is one of the most important written pieces about the FBI in a long time, and it raises a very provocative question. I'm just going to read the headline: Did the FBI target Michael Flynn to protect Obama's policies rather than national security? This is this is a really profound piece, and I think particularly with your understanding of how the bureau normally works, you've really done a great job helping people understand how the Flynn case and the behavior of the FBI is so different than the normal everyday FBI. I wonder if you could walk us through that a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think the Flynn case is, is kind of putting a fine point on, um, some digging and opinions that have been rendered by myself, you, Sarah Carter, uh, Greg Jarrett and others that have been very dogged in, in trying to understand what took place at the upper levels of the FBI, uh, prior to and, and after uh, the new administration took power. And I've been writing about this as a former FBI executive out of my concern that the Bureau was being manipulated somehow, either by FBI leadership uh, directly or indirectly, other political forces to engineer an outcome that was not tied to legitimate a legitimate federal criminal investigation or counterintelligence investigation. You know, I feel deeply, obviously, about the FBI. I devoted a quarter century of my life to that to that agency. And um, and I, like a, a number of former FBI agents and even current FBI agents, have deep concerns about the FBI ever being used in a, in a political way because that's, that's such a, a danger to the to the country. So I think, you know, as as I look back on the articles that I've written over the last coming on three years now, it's building to the conclusion. The question that is raised in the article that uh, I released this week, and that is, you know, what was at play here? Was it legitimate FBI jurisdictional concerns, or were there political pressures being put on the FBI, either directly from the White House or internally through personal biases that existed in upper management of the FBI, which has been well-established now, Uh, were those driving uh, certain investigative steps that had no legitimate basis to begin with.
0: It is truly remarkable. There's a couple of lines in here that really jumped out to me because it's consistent with the, the reporting that I've done in, in some of these notes that we've been able to get declassified thanks to Attorney General Barr. And, and one of them that jumps out is, um, Uh, In here that really really caught my attention the FBI's ultimate review of Flynn addressed none of the grounds that the FBI used to open the original case against him for those of us who have run FBI investigations that is more than odd that's a very strong statement very powerful statement. At the end of the day, uh, they were looking at him for uh, possible Russia collusion, and they they did a review. They their own case memo shows that they found no derogatory information. Even ran informant against him, got no hits, and and the recommendation was to close down. Describe what's troubling after that point when they're they're supposed to close down the field agent. You know, makes the recommendation. Where does the shenanigans or or uh, begin for you?
1: I will, but let me let me just uh, set a. Uh... A little bit of a uh, um, a perspective here because I think it can be confusing to the layman to read that closing memo and fully understand uh, the oddities that were involved and and one of the points I want to make is that the the caption of the closing memo is um, crossfire razor which was the code name they assigned to Michael Flynn and the case the justification for the case was a foreign uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act, FARA, Act Violation, against Michael Flynn. In other words, he failed to register properly if he was going to lobby on behalf of another country, which thousands of people do every day. So that was the basis, uh, ostensibly, of the case. But then you read the body of the of the closing memo, and it doesn't address anything about FARA. It, all, it talks about Crossfire Hurricane and the fact that they were uh, – interested in Flynn's role in the whole Russia collusion narrative. But it then goes on to say that they not only found no derogatory, but they had never established any uh, reasonable suspicion that Michael Flynn was acting on behalf of a foreign uh, country at all, ever in the beginning. In other words, they had no basis to start the investigation in the first place. And And so that was why in that closing memo, which was done at a lower level, Washington Field Office, regular working agents, they were closing it because they had no basis A to to have opened it in the first place, and B to continue an investigation. There was nothing to go on, so be, they they wrote the closing memo. It came to the attention of the uh, Comey team that, and the main investigator there was, we know, was Peter Struck. He apparently. Uh, intervened and said, don't close it yet. Uh, They have concerns, apparently triggered by the fact that four four days prior to that closing memo being written, um, four or five days prior to that, um, there was an intercept of Russian Ambassador Kislyak's phone conversation with Michael Flynn, uh, which came to the attention of the Obama White House. Flynn was unmasked by Susan Rice, if I'm remembering that correctly, John, and you can correct me. Um, it became knowledge there was a knowledge that that uh, uh, the conversation had taken place. FBI leadership then seizes on that as possibly a wedge that they could use to interview and confront Flynn. And the only problem was they had no there still was not a criminal violation. there still was not an overt co- counterintelligence interest. They just had the fact that there was a phone conversation between the incoming national security advisor. And a Russian ambassador again, not illogical. Uh, they they grasped at a possible Logan Act uh, violation, which was right. absurd on its face. Uh, he was the incoming National Security Advisor. He wasn't just some Joe citizen contacting the Russian uh, ambassador. Uh, there was nothing overtly suspicious uh, about this. It was it was based on the fact that that conversation indicated that the incoming Trump administration was perhaps going to take a different tact than the Obama administration when it came to sanctions on Russia for election interference and uh, Israeli settlements. That was fundamentally the reason why he was interviewed.
0: In in your mind, is this was this an interview in search of a crime rather than an interview to solve a crime?
1: Yeah, th- this was an interview, I think, an interview of some type of intimidation. Uh, Obviously, the notes that were released last week raise a question about the intention of that um, Comey team in confronting Flynn. They obviously wanted to get to him. They ignored FBI protocols. Comey has stated publicly they wanted to get to him, and they took advantage of a disorganized White House. They wanted to get in front of him and see if they could elicit some type of false statement. That was their goal. They had no right to get in front of him. They had no legal basis to be in the same room with him. Uh, that's the disgrace of all of this. And, um, and so, you know, Flynn you know, made mistakes, probably uh, misremembered or, or or didn't answer the way he should have and maybe exacerbated it uh, in his internal dealings with the administration afterwards. You know, I, his, his judgment is not in play here. That's for others to, to sort out. The issue is, should he have been confronted in the first place, and I maintain based on everything I've read, that the bureau had no uh, had no basis for interviewing him in the first place, and if they had no basis for interviewing him in the first place, then it calls into question all the legal proceedings that have taken place uh, targeting him after that.
0: It's remarkable. I mean, when, you, when, you, when I listen to your talk, you, you so succinctly break this down. But there's re, there, there's such there's two amazing statements that you just made. One is they had no legal basis to originally investigate him, and then when they closed down. Uh, the uh, or the uh, agent makes a recommendation to close them down and they concoct this idea to go uh, uh, seek an interview. They had no legal basis to seek an interview. When I think of the FBI, I grew up admiring it. My dad was in law enforcement. I had FBI agents that would sleep on my couch sometimes at the house when they were visiting I can't imagine an FBI uh, going to this length to try to get someone with in the absence of criminality is is this a, an aberration in your mind or was were we in a period of the FBI where uh, the mentality had changed it's
1: it's certainly an aberration it's not the FBI it is a cabal of individuals at the top of the of the FBI who have firmly established their political leanings and biases uh, in search of um, some way to investigate or interfere with a, a then presidential candidate, and then afterwards an incoming president. I, I don't know if there's any other way to to frame this based on the evidence that we have seen. Um, this was, and, and you and I and others have pointed out, this was a highly unusual FBI operation run out of the director's office of the FBI where investigations don't occur. They're not run out of FBI headquarters. Um, There are are just so many factors that make this anomalous, make it suspicious activity. Uh, In the minds of those of us who spent long careers in the FBI, there is nothing that we can point to that even comes close to being similar to uh, this whole Russia collusion investigation that was spearheaded out of the director's office, the FBI at the time. So I think we're going to get to the truth of of why that took place, uh, why it took place and the motivations ultimately. Um, we, we can at least hope so, because if we don't, then it's going to be very difficult to rehabilitate the reputation of the FBI. Um, so this is this is going to have to uh this is going to have to take place um, if we have if we have any hope of, of uh, accomplishing that.
0: You um, you've talked a couple times with me before, and, and and you were the first person to really say this to me. This was a couple years ago that the, the first warning sign that things in the Russia collusion case weren't right really goes back to the Hillary Clinton email case where a, a, a case is ripped out of the field and then taken to headquarters. And 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 James Comey himself is making the decision on prosecution, and then literally a few weeks later, after they close that case down, the same scenario happens: a um, a case that should have been in the field gets ripped out and is taken into headquarters and run by headquarters. Is that was that the beginning of the quicksand that the James Comey, Andrew McCabe, FBI left America with?
1: It, yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it was. It, I can't stress enough to your listeners that how unusual that behavior was. Um, and we're, and we're now starting to see that the case itself perhaps was artificially engineered by the individual, those individuals at the top of the FBI. Um, you know, first of all, you know, we can go back to the Hillary Clinton, uh, the, the infamous now July 5th news conference by James Comey, where he basically says no reasonable prosecutor will, will, would take on this case. Um. First of all, not his call, wasn't his role. Those of us who come out of the FBI, our, our jaws were on the floor watching that uh, that press conference. It was so unprecedented. Um, now, there can be reasonable disagreements or discussions around whether or not the right call was being made in that case. Uh, right. I think there's strong arguments on both sides. But the fact that he, he made that call, letting, letting the attorney general and the White House off the hook, uh, for, for that, that whole debacle, uh, was startling again.
0: So for sure, the wrong person made the call, whether it's right or wrong, we have the wrong person making that call in James Comey, right?
1: It was yeah. un, an unjust call uh, from that respect. Uh, and then he, then he proceeds to wire brush her, citing all the reasons why, uh, you know, if this was suspicious, you can't do that. The FBI can't say, we're not going to indict somebody or pursue somebody. And then publicly, Air all the dirty laundry. I mean, whatever you feel about Hillary Clinton as a presidential candidate, that was a that was an unjust action uh, at the top of the FBI. So that was the first, the early warning that something's different here, something's amiss. There's some, there's some wrong thinking going on. There's some wrong approaches. There's some disregard for established policies, procedures, and legal guidelines. Uh, and that was unsettling. Um, and uh, and then to your point. Uh, Later that month, that very month, the end of of July, they open up a counterintelligence case against the Trump administration based on very thin justifications that now we're seeing were were kind of engineered by the government's own doing, by by unleashing confidential sources against certain people, against policy, and eliciting information that they then used to open up a case, even though that information probably didn't Pass the smell test in a, in a traditional counterintelligence uh, setting. So uh, it, the whole thing was uh, was unsettling.
0: It's uh, it's uh, at the beginning of your column. You talk about this scenario fe- sounding a little bit KGB-ish, and I think that's a really when I talk to everyday Americans, that's what they say. That this isn't the America we know or the FBI we knew. This is something out of uh, you know an old Soviet republic. Later on, you raise the the very strong possibility, and I think clearly this is where the investigation is heading, just from the the tea leaves we can see in the evidence that's coming out, that maybe what was going on here was a policy dispute. Barack Obama had told, uh, as we know, had told um, uh, Donald Trump in their meeting, uh, one of the two things he was concerned about in handing over the White House, one of them was Mike Flynn. So the boss... The outgoing president lets it be known to to the incoming uh, president and likely to his staff that he didn't like Flynn and what Flynn might do to the intelligence community, and then all of these events uh, fall in. In your mind, was this a, an FBI trying to solve a policy dispute between the Obama and Trump administration rather than solve a crime?
1: I don't know if "solves" the right word. I think it's a I think it's a perverse curiosity. I think it's a an attempt at intimidation. Uh, if you go back and read the Michael Flynn 302. And I know that been a couple of the, the other oddity is there apparently were a couple of 302s that were written on uh, regarding this interview, one original and one modified. Um, right. If you, if you go back and read that 302 uh, and, and I've, I've written and, and reviewed thousands of 302s. This was the oddest one that I can remember um, because I kept searching for What's the basis of the interview? What are they What are they asking about here? And all all I could read about was questions of Flynn about his conversations um, with the ambassador concerning recent sanctions that the Obama administration had placed on on Russia because of the, the perceptions of ele- uh, election interference. Uh, Flynn's statements to the ambassador about uh, you know what were your intentions uh, of in retaliation, and uh, please keep in perspective. We got a new administration coming in here. These these do not seem like illogical uh, concerns of a new administration, unless you're looking through a prism of somehow this guy is an agent of Russia and is coordinating with his handlers. Uh, to engineer a certain outcome contrary to Obama foreign policy uh, it it's breathtaking that they would look at it that way and um, especially when they had no they had no facts had uncovered no facts that anybody in the administration was acting on behalf of a foreign power so it was, uh, when I read the three hundred two, it was a head scratcher, and I said, th- I've, "I've, I've never seen FBI involved in in asking these kinds of questions." There was nothing about him registering as a foreign as his failure to register as a foreign agent. There was nothing uh, that indicated that they were in, asking him about his allegiances or, or uh, you know what, questioning any of that. Um, that indicated that they were concerned about him making false statements or warning him along those lines,
0: which normally it's a normal process,
1: right? A normal process. You're going to say, do you, do you stand by this statement? It, it just, I don't think it reaches the bar of entrapment. That's a high, high legal bar. Um, but it is certainly, uh, distasteful, uh, in, in, in its context, since they, you, we really can't articulate and they can't articulate any reason why they were there in the first place. And I'll, I'll let me add this, John. If we determine that that is the case, that the leadership of the FBI, whether at the behest of or because of their own internal biases and motivations, were were talking to someone purely out of a policy dispute, that is a monumental, monumental and historic misuse of the FBI we haven't seen anything quite like that before and hopefully never will again and it, if we can establish that that in, that in fact was the reason why they're in that room then severe and and direct reforms are going to be needed
0: you're uh, you're such a great writer on top of all of your experience in law enforcement I want to read this passage because uh, it made me chuckle but it made me chuckle in a way of, of, of pride and also concern about being an American if one were to chisel a Ten Commandments of the FBI, and descend with them down Charleston, Charleston Heston-like from Mount uh, Capitol Hill. The first commandment would read: "Thou shalt not involve thyself with the politics of the White House." A politically manipulated FBI is a threat to the nation. An independent FBI is and has been a blessing to the nation and is one of the many key reasons America is different from totalitarian regimes. That's a really powerful statement. And I think it it's sort of the um the the setup for what we're all now beginning to see happened at the FBI. Um you just said that that one of the needs we need to do is is to learn from this and reform. Are you satisfied with where the Bureau is in and, and coming to grips with what went wrong here, exposing it and fixing it? I mean what do you think of Chris Ray and the effort to solve these issues that are now, you know, painfully front and center in the American public's mind.
1: I don't think there's any, uh, any, certainly any former FBI agent or executive in a lot and many current agents that are quite satisfied only because there's some frustration with how information that's damaging is seems to be coming to light so slowly. And, um, And that just that creates ongoing mistrust, ongoing uh, suspicions that aren't healthy for this country and and certainly do nothing to rehabilitate the reputation of the FBI. So there's a there's a sense of frustration about all of this. Now, there may be uh, legitimate reasons why certain things can't be released at a certain time. Uh, There's nothing quite as Byzantine as our as our security classification system, all the guidelines that have been built around that, there is lack of clarity on whether or not this information hasn't been released because of oversight, or rather it's been released but held on by others. You know, we need to understand all of that, but it's it's unfortunately it's the FBI that's suffering because of this. And I think I mentioned in the article the FBI is sporting the black eye on this, and that is not healthy for the, for the country. So, um, I don't know if it's a question of, of satisfaction or missteps by current director, uh, Christopher Ray, he, he's got right. an immense steaming pile of, of problems on his plate. Um, <laughs> that he does. And it, so I, you know, it, it's a, and there's a lot of pressure there. So I'm not, I would not, and am not, and will not uh, second guess uh, the current director. Um, But I I think that the overriding default switch right now should be, from the attorney general on down, we need to get this information out now, rip the Band-Aid off, get it out, and and start the rehabilitation process. Otherwise, it's going to damage uh, the FBI to a point where it damages the country. And, and we don't want that. Let me let me tell you a quick story, John, about the difference between the Comey administ- the, the Comey directorship and those of others that preceded him. I'll, I'll use one anecdote from Louis Freeze' uh, tenure in the FBI. Soon sure. After he was appointed by soon after he was appointed by President Clinton back in nineteen ninety three ninety four time frame. Um, he was um, at a soccer game for one of his kids. He like I have, have a. A lot of kids, and, and we spent all our Saturdays uh, doing that type of activity. And he got a call. It was from the White House saying the president would like you to come to the White House for a meeting. And he said, uh, is there some emergency? Is there some is there some crisis I'm not aware of? I said, no, no, no. This is a, a routine meeting that he has set up that he wants you to be part of. And Louis Free said, I'm not coming. I don't come to routine meetings uh, at the White House. And, he, and that was it. And he hung up.
0: Wow, he understood that independence that the FBI is supposed to have from that that sort of uh yeah.
1: He knew how critical it was for the FBI to be perceived as a independent uh, investigative body that is free to investigate anybody anywhere in the U.S. government or anybody who violates uh, federal law. And if we don't have that, then you know the point you alluded to in my article, then we become nothing more than than the FSB, the KGB, or some other totalitarian agency.
0: Yeah, those are powerful moments. And we saw um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Director Comey entertain a few meetings with President Trump and keep book on him, which always seemed odd to me that an FBI director would do that sort of uh, behavior. And you, know, the, the, uh, you worked for a long time and, and were a senior executive in the early years of the Mueller uh, FBI, and, and that's when the FBI had to make another round of corrections after learning from nine eleven the failure to connect the dots. And uh, that ripped the bandaid approach was pretty clear. Director mother came in, he set a new compass and he didn't try to withhold things. He, he put all the good, the bad and the ugly out there for the American public to see with the, with the commissions and congressional hearings. And he moved the FBI forward. Is it too late for Ray to do that here? Have we, has it been too long? Has it been too much of a drip now for, for the FBI to kind of get back on its feet?
1: No, I don't think it's too late. I, um, and, and I agree with you, as I was part of that process with Director Mueller, uh, we created the Directorate of Intelligence as a result of 9-11 commissions and the passage of the uh, Terrorism Reform Act in, uh, in 2004. I, I became the first right. assistant director of that new new division. And so we were all uh, aghast at what had taken place and we're all motivated to make sure that we were in a better position to make sure it never happened again. So I think that's the attitude that has to be adopted at this point. The more we learn, the more we're seeing that what took place at the upper levels of the FBI was a train wreck, a train wreck that is not just damaging to the FBI, but damaging to the, the, the fabric, the integrity of the nation. <clears throat> and so we kind of have I think my advice to Director Ray would be approach it in that in that light uh, as a as a uh, fundamental moment for healthy reform to make sure that nothing like this could happen again. I think it, to his credit, he has taken, he has maintained that they've, they've taken 40 different policy steps to to ensure that it will happen. He has publicly stated there will never be another investigation run out of headquarters. Um, all good steps. Uh, but the the American people, I think, are thirsting for a highly visible um, articulation of A, an acknowledgement that bad things happened, and B, here's what we're going to make sure that, uh, the, uh why this will never happen again, um, and I think if steps are taken along those lines, and that's how I would advise them if I was on his staff is a let's let's make this as transparent as possible. Uh, there really at this point is nothing to hide uh, and so you know let's move forward.
0: yeah, that's really a great a great point I've I've heard from many current and former FBI officials who feel almost uh, very similar and are hoping that chris Chris Ray steps up. Uh, has a public moment where he owns the failures of the past FBI. They weren't his failures. He didn't do these things. Uh, but gets right and, and really creates a flashpoint for moving forward. I mean, th- there are some reforms that are before the court that, in FISA that uh, seem to be substantive and, and helpful. Uh, but he hasn't had that ownership moment, much like you know Robert Mueller came in. I remember the first time Robert Mueller testified after 9-11. And, you know, he, he just came out and said, we dropped the ball and, and we got to be better and we got to change the culture. And then he went about and changed that culture, bringing in CIA people to train intelligence thinking. And uh, it was a really remarkable thing to watch when I was a reporter. And I, it seems like that moment is uh, begging to be had here now in, in the aftermath of the Russia collusion.
1: Every week we're getting more and more uh, damaging information that 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 uh, is unfortunate, but does make things a little clearer. So I think uh, the imperatives for reform are
0: certainly there. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I wanted to ask you one last question before we let you go, and I really appreciate how much time you spend. And folks, if you don't have Kevin Brock on your Google search, you should uh, be ready for every one of his columns when they come out of the Hill. They're really a very important piece of work, and I've learned a lot from him over the years. And I think uh, those of us trying to understand where the FBI came from and is going, uh, Kevin's just an amazing writer. So here's my last question. I wanted to um, posit this to you. As you, you you dealt with intelligence assessment inside the FBI, and there's an original intelligence assessment called the ICA after this, and everybody's in agreement that Russia meddled in the election with the Facebook ads. But uh, we've had several guests on the show of of— very similar experience and background as you, Dan Hoffman, being one of them, the former Moscow station chief for the CIA, who said that they think part of the ICA, based on the evidence we now have in the public, is wrong, that that Russia wasn't just trying to help Donald Trump get elected. They were just trying to meddle on both sides of the uh, uh, political spectrum to cause chaos and create um, uh, Americans distrust in their own democracy. Do you, from your own assessments and what you know about intelligence and what you learned about the Russians with some of the big cases you cracked, you know, when they were there, does the, um, is there a moment here to reassess that conclusion as well and go back and look at the new evidence and say maybe Russia had a different motive than we thought?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, first of all, you, you could start with the point that, um, you know, drawing for the intelligence community to draw a conclusion that Russia uh, has an interest in meddling in our elections is like saying water is wet. We all know that it's been as well established since uh, you know for, for fifty sixty years there's there's no surprise there to draw a conclusion that Russia was aiding a specific presidential candidate again, not a surprise. There may have been a time when they when they were trying to tilt the field in in favor of Donald Trump, but Donald Trump was well behind in the polls and looked like It was going to be a landslide against them, so why not stir the pot for Donald Trump at that point? Their goal, and it would have been the opposite, Uh, they would have stirred the pot for Hillary Clinton uh, if she'd been uh, behind the polls. Their goal is discord. Their their goal is confusion. their Their goal is um, to rend us apart, to to sow division, and and they are frankly fairly successful. In, in a lot of that, the political discourse right now is very bitter in this country and uh and and you have to look at some of the driving forces behind that. some of the voices uh that are now amplified on social media uh you know you, you have to take a look at uh what the motivations and where those are coming from and oftentimes when you trip it away doubt that there's foreign influence behind a lot of that um you know the the, the they they'll pinpoint. And go after those scabs in American history, racial division, um, you know, the, the class division, that type of thing, exacerbate it um, and uh, amplify it, so that it 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 appears that we're more more divided than we than we really are, and 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 unfortunately we see that gaining currency, gaining traction, and in in, uh, in the press uh, as it is right now, so. Uh, yeah, your listeners should not be should not be surprised at any intelligence community assessment that says that, that Russia is uh, is sowing discord, and and even if it it can be established that maybe they were <laughs> taking steps to amplify one candidate over another, all part of their game. They do not care who gets elected. Uh, they're they're going to be at odds with whoever gets whomever gets uh,
0: elected in this country. Yeah, yeah. There's no no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, Kevin, on behalf of all of our listeners, first thanks for your many decades of service to the government. We're we're lucky to have had people in in government like you who are protecting us and allowing us to sleep at night. And then also thank you for what you've done the last few years because you've helped make a very complicated story about the FBI and Russia and intelligence so much more understandable. And so I, I know our listeners have benefited a lot today. And we we thank you for all that you do to help us out.
1: Excuse me for coughing, but uh, it's not a dry cough. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: we choked you up, I guess
1: <laughs> Well, I did too much talking But as you and I have discussed, John We're not motivated By a political outcome here If the, if the Outgoing Trump administration Tried this uh, something similar with an incoming Democrat administration uh, I think you and I and others that have Written on this would be just as a guess And, and, and trying to protect these important Institutions from being misused And, uh, and, and that's our goal here
0: yeah, no, you're so you're so right. And it's not about politics. It's about keeping America, the best parts about America the, the way it is and and not letting people to corrupt it. So, well, sir, thank you so much for your time. We're lucky to have had you today. And uh, folks, we'll be back after a quick commercial break to wrap things up for the day. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out all right folks i almost hate to say it but that wraps up another edition of john solomon reports i can't tell you how much fun i have talking with you and all the great guests that we have the time just flies by when we're in this show together and i want to thank you all for uh, uh, joining us again and uh, i want to thank kevin brock our great guest we're just so lucky to talk to people like kevin brock and devin nunez and matt gates jim jordan uh daniel hoffman the former cia station chief from moscow we learn so much from them that we have a great conversation. Your questions get to be asked uh, through me and, and all the questions you send me on Twitter and an email. I'm so grateful of your engagement and your thoughts. Keep them coming. If you want to uh, put a question in front of me for this, tweet at me at Reports on Twitter um, and, or send us an email through the inbox at the um, at the justthenews.com site. You can send it to information at justthenews.com or corrections at justthenews.com. Uh, dot com, and it will get to my uh, mailbox and we'll try to get your questions up. If you have ideas for guests, send it our way. And also remember, we're less than two months away from the big release of my book with Seamus Bruner, uh, Fallout. It's a big, big story. It tells a 10-year a tale of how Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden's effort to reboot the relationship with Vladimir Putin in Russia turned into a national security disaster that gave us everything from uh, Uranium One to Russiagate, to Spygate, to impeachment. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that book. There's a lot of great revelations, a lot of new documents. We do the book just like we do the um, uh, stories on justthenews.com. You get to see the real evidence that we have, read the documents, Uh, the full quotes in the book it's it's footnoted for everyone to see and we're going to put together a document locker so that you can download the documents and read them yourselves we think these are going to be uh, very important uh documents new revelations everything you thought you knew about uranium one may get flipped on its head everything you knew about the informant doug Campbell. we got a great story to tell you about that whatever you thought you knew about ukraine and joe biden and hunter biden stay tuned a lot of great things if you want to buy the book early and get an early copy of it Amazon now has it up on uh, for sale. I encourage you to get it. It'll support our journalism going forward. Uh, and again, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, keep your eye on justthenews.com. I bet you there's some more bombshell revelations coming in the investigation of the Russian investigators.